Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk in daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. Today we're going to continue on with our series, and it's on the fruit of the Spirit. Our, our lead pastor some time ago uh, felt that it, was, uh, it would be a, a, a series that we should take our people through for the uh, months, uh, the summer months. Uh, this morning, I hope on the way in that you received a, a copy of the 30-Day Kindness Challenge. Uh, it was something that uh, Pastor uh, Chad, our lead pastor, had Pastor Carlo come up with, and it's on our website, but we thought we'd give you a hard copy and that you would take a look at it uh, and it will be helpful for uh, uh, you today and in the days to come. So I've entitled my message, For Goodness Sake. You ever heard that expression before, for goodness sake? Does anybody know where that came from? Anyhow, don't worry about it. It's not that big of a deal. But it actually was, uh, it was in um, one of uh, uh, William Shakespeare's uh, plays, and it was in Henry VIII. Get this, back in 1613. That's where it was first originated. It was, for goodness sake. Now, usually when people say, for goodness sake, it's usually a statement of despair. It's usually, I give up. I, you know, what's, what's the point? For goodness sake, what is going on? Well, today we, we want to take a different spin on goodness sake, and uh, we, we want to take a look at it not as a statement of desperation, but as a statement of motivation for, for each and every one of us as we continue to take a look at the fruit of the Spirit. And I think you're finding out that as we look at the fruit of the Spirit, you can't just separate one from the other, but they, they get connected. The Bible has a lot to say about goodness. About goodness. Uh, first place that comes to my mind is over in Psalm 23. It's, it comes to my mind not necessarily chronologically, but over in Psalm 23 uh, uh, in verse 6, you, you're familiar with it, especially if you're in the, the uh, King James uh, Version, where it says, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Just the image of goodness following us wherever we go. Galatians 5 and 22 are certainly is our, is our focal point for this series. Uh, and that's found uh, uh, as part of the, and it says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and continues on. Another passage of Scripture that is very interesting when you come to looking at our walk with Christ as it refers to our faith and also refers to goodness. And that's found over in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. Uh, and as, as Peter is reminding the church of the incredible promises of God, and that we can rely on them and we can count on them and that they are faithful and, and it doesn't matter what happens to us that we can always go and depend upon the promises of God. He says this as, as, as he's making the comments about the promises of God and his, his goodness to us. He, he says this about faith. For this very reason, 
For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. And then he goes on to say, and to goodness, knowledge. And there's a few other things, but, but our, our focal point today is that to our faith, he says, add goodness, make, make effort. So you start to get the, the, the picture that there are certain things that we're called to do that do not just automatically happen. And, and, and just because you have chosen to follow Christ, and that's good, and just because you're here in church, that is good as well. But you need to be aware that there are certain responsibilities that we have. There are certain, there are certain aspects of our spiritual life we need to, to cultivate. And so, so Peter points that out where he says, you know, you, you got faith, that's good. But now he says, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and so forth. So I don't know if you picked this up last week, but when Pastor Chad was talking about kindness, there was a shift. There was a shift in the series. We, we had been looking at certainly, you know, love, joy, peace, uh, and then we, I, I had addressed also the, uh, uh, the long-suffering. And then we got to, uh, uh, we got to kindness uh, last week. And so up until that point, as we've been teaching on the fruit of the Spirit, we've really been talking about those, those, those deep experiences of the soul. It's in our soul that we experience love. It's, it's in our soul that we, we in, experience uh, the joy and, and peace. And just here's a case in point. Uh, uh, Richard Knider uh, is not with us today. He's in the hospital. He had, uh, there was a challenge of some infection that uh, was coming to perhaps the valve that they put in some time ago. So, so he's in and he's being treated and certainly uh, he's just trusting God and, and we're very optimistic about how things are going there. But he said to me while I was there... Um, he said, Pastor, I, I'm reminded of the message that Pastor Chad gave us and we talked about peace. And for those that were here, you remember that on that day there were two pictures that he put up on the screen. One was a, a picture of tranquility. It was a lake that was very calm and, and, and it's still. And then he had another one was with a, a bird that was in a nest. And you could see the, the uh, uh, raging waterfall behind. And, and so and he, as he pointed out to us, what was the true picture of peace? And, and, and as he developed the message, it was the peace in the midst of the storm. Uh, is, is the peace that God gives to us. And so we've been looking up in the first three or four messages, we were looking at those, those, those dimensions of the soul that we experience. But then Pastor Chad shifted on us last week. We didn't only deal with the, now just the internal parts, but now the outworking, the outworking of law, love, joy, peace, Long-suffering. Now, now it's the working. Now he started working on, on kindness. And that's when he started to, to, to instruct us. And so that's why you need to get a copy of the 30-day kindness challenge because it, it, it certainly it, it will help you. Now, he talked about kindness last week. Now it's my responsibility to talk to you about goodness. And it's really hard to separate those two if, if you think about it for, for a little bit. But we're going to make some, we're gonna make some comments today about goodness and see if you can just kind of put the two together because we need to be known as a result of the fruit of the Spirit for our kindness and, and for, for our goodness. Kindness and goodness both 
are necessary and like all the fruit of the Spirit, they are inextricably tied together. In other words, you can't, you, you can't separate them. They, uh, they're put together. And so it, it's obviously we need to pay attention. The fruit of the Spirit are inseparable and work together. You can't have one without the other. In other words, you can't go around and say, well, I got joy and you don't have kindness. It doesn't work that way. And you can't say, oh, well, I got love and, and then you ignore goodness or self-control as, as, as it goes. We, we need them all to be working together in our individual loves, lives. I came across this quote. I'll, I'll, I'll throw it out there for you this morning and see if you can chew on it for just a little bit, okay? It's a quote on, it says, kindness is a property of how you treat others. Uh, it's a property. It, it, perhaps it's a way in how you treat others. Goodness is the property of how you are. So it talks about the way we treat others and then our own characteristics and so forth. I'd like to think about the list of 30 as you have in your hands today, the goodness slash kindness as suggestions. The list not only suggests the good we can do, the good we can do, but also reminds us that there is a right way for us to do good. And that is with kindness. So goodness is about really all those things that we can do. But scripture tells us if we listen to the fruit of the spirit, that there's a way that we need to administrate our goodness. You can't just go out and do good. But you need to do it with, with kindness. So, so as we continue to ponder with the, whole, the fruit of the Spirit says we, we, we remind ourselves that right attitude and right motive reflect the fruit of the Spirit. Here's a quote for you today. Clearly referring to the kindness and goodness, they are related. But one is an attribute of you and the other is an attribute of your conduct. Kindness. All of us, because of the fruit of the Spirit, need to exhibit kindness. Some are naturally kind. That's great. But all of us are called to exhibit kindness with the following through of the goodness. So why do we need another series on the fruit of the Spirit? And why today the emphasis on goodness? Think about it. This is the question. Why do we need another series on the fruit of the Spirit? And why today the emphasis on, on goodness? The problem with being good, one said, is that you think that's good enough. So, as well, I'm good. And the tendency is to level, uh, I'm good, so that's good enough. Now, that becomes a, a problematic position for us because being good or being good enough does not meet the criteria criteria of Christ in the fruit of the Spirit. We're not talking about uh, a, a theology of good works, by the way, but you'll find out later on in the message that we all need to be involved and in, in, in very active when it comes to, to good works. Jesus, he said this, and this one's hard. This really smacks us, okay? So Jesus is, he's talking to his disciples, but he's also looking at the Pharisees or the religious leaders of the day. 
and and uh, the religious leaders uh, they they had had certainly their problems and, and and a number of things. But Jesus, this one day, he looks at the scribes and the Pharisees who were very good and they were nice and they were respectable people. But he said this to his disciples about the Pharisees and the scribes. He says, you see them? You have got to be better than them. You have got to be better than them. Interesting. In other words, as Jesus was referring to the goodness of the Pharisees and the scribes, he was saying their goodness wasn't good enough. Yet, being zealous of good works is key to all of us today. So beyond the gods and back by Reginald Bibby, Reginald Bibby, he makes a statement. It's, it's about the social trends here in, in, in Canada. And, and he talks about the, the challenges that the Christian church has uh, in our day. And he, he makes this observation. Are you listening? This is good. He says, in Canada, you can be good without God. And yet one of the fruit of the Spirit is goodness. And I think, think that through. He says, in Canada, um, he says, you can be good without God. Then he makes a comment about teenagers. He says, teenagers, uh, and, and he describes uh, uh, the teenage, teenage uh, um, uh, generation uh, in, in, our, in our culture, and, and he really has a lot, to, a lot of good to say about, about uh, uh, teen, teenagers in our, in our culture these days, and that a lot of them look for a cause, and, and teenagers uh, can really get behind causes, and they'll do all kinds of things. They'll get into all fundraising, and, and, and they'll, they'll go online, they'll, they'll do everything. I've, you know, you've seen the stories of people that had a lemonade stand, and they started there because they had a cause, and, and it wasn't because they were motivated by, by God in that case, it's just that they, they wanted to do something good. So he's, he's talking about the teenagers clearly be, can be good without God. But then he makes this comment, but God seems to increase the number of good teenagers. And talking about those that do follow Christ, it does separate from those that are just plain doing good. And I, and I came across this, this uh, quote in his book by a, a Toronto Star journalist. Uh, and, and this journalist is not a believer, but the journalist was just making an observation uh, about the church. And once again, it's all, all, all about goodness. So the highly respected Toronto Star journalist, Carol uh, uh, Gore, uh, pointed out a short time ago that faith-based organizations are the bedrock of, of the charitable sector in Canada. She noted that they run homeless shelters and transition homes for abused women. They offer asylum to refugees and settlement assistance to immigrants. And referring to the church. She says, they set up after school programs for kids in troubled neighborhoods. They organize soup kitchens. They open their doors to seniors. They open their doors to community groups and service clubs. They raise millions of dollars for good works and mobilize thousands of vo volunteers. But Gore wrote, as their membership roles shrink and their collection plates lighten, they are struggling to maintain this network of charitable activities. She 
concluded with these strong words. It is fine to say, as the majority of Canadians do, that you prefer to explore your own spirituality, practice your religion privately, and ponder metaphysical questions in solitude. But she says, look around. There's a world in need out there. Church members are on the front lines putting their faith to work. They could use some help. I thought it was a testimony to the goodness that is found within the church. And so the world does look, and the world does take note of your goodness, but of significance is the goodness that is inspired by the presence of Jesus. Here's the tension that you and I live in today. Titus, over in chapter 2, verse 13 through 14, he, he puts the two together. He talks about good works. But you and I know, a lot of us here will, will um, watch uh, certain programs about uh, Israel, uh, prophecy, end times, and what's happening in our world. And, and, and you listen to uh, uh, well-renowned uh, speakers, evangelists, uh, television uh, leaders, and so forth, Christian leaders, and they'll tell you that we are living in what the Bible calls the last days. We are living in days where there are signs that point to, you know, that Jesus Christ could come any day. That Jesus Christ could come and he, he's looking for a people that are, that are ready for him or looking for him. He's looking for a people that have opened up their hearts to him. That's why we wanted to give an invitation just a few moments ago to make sure that, that for those that were present that everyone would have that opportunity because we don't want to see anybody uh, leave here uh, without uh, Christ in their lives. We've been so excited in the last several weeks we've had several people come to the Lord Jesus Christ and that, that's so encouraging. So, so Titus says there's a tension that we must live in as a church. And he talks about, number one, that we need to be looking for that blessed hope. And that was a New Testament way of saying, we need to be looking for Jesus' return. We, I mean, we need to be on our toes and we need to be on our guard. But he says this, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. And that's what we celebrated just a few moments ago around the communion table. He said, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity or all sin and purify us unto himself. And then he says, we also need to be a, a peculiar people or a people set apart, zealous. He says, zealous of good works. So there's the tension. Looking for Jesus to come and yet at the same time being zealous for good works. Zealous for good works out there through the Spirit producing goodness in our life. Peter's reminder to us over in chapter uh, uh, 2, his first epistle, he says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles. In other words, Peter said, hey, Christians, Christ followers, this world's not our home. We're foreigners, and we're really like exiles. And he says, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though, and that was another description of, he said pagans, and that probably is a word that people wouldn't understand in our day, but he's really talking about people that just don't know Jesus. People that are without him. He says, live such lives among people that don't know Christ, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds or your good works and glorify God on the day he visits us. In other words, that they may see your goodness. Your goodness. 
the fruit of the Spirit ultimately is about our love for Jesus. How much do you love Jesus? That's really what it's about. The fruit of the Spirit is about our intimacy with him. The time that we spend with him. And really, they're really related. Proportionally, the more time that you spend with Christ, the more it reflects the, the goodness dimension of your life. The less time you spent with the Lord, then the goodness quotient or part of our life goes down. Because our nature is to be self-centered and be caught up with doing our own things. The fruit of the Spirit is about our hope in Christ, Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit is about being renewed in our spirit day by day. Being renewed in our spirit contributes greatly to how we carry his presence. I have, a, I have a ring now. It uh, has been replaced. It replaces my wedding ring. And it's a ring that uh, my dear wife uh, gave to me. And, I, and on it, it has inscribed uh, Isaiah 40, where it talks about, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and, and not, not faint. So we make this comment that being renewed in, in our spirit contributes greatly to how we, we carry the presence. And here's why carrying his presence is so key. And this, is, this is why we have to leave. Today, we're going to send you out in just a few moments. But we want you to be so aware of the presence of God in your life because it affects your goodness. It affects your kindness. It, it affects the fruit of the Spirit. Do you remember the time that when Moses was up on the mountain... And he was receiving the Ten Commandments and, 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 and he knew that there was God and he knew that there was this I am, but he had never seen him. And so, so on, on this one occasion when he's up on the mountain, he says, God, he said, I'd really like to see you. And, and, and he said, I really would, <laughs> I kind of like to know what you look like. And, 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 and God just made it quite clear. He said, Moses, I, I really can't let you, I can't really let you see my face, but I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. He said, I'm going to put you over here like in a, kind of like in a cave where you can just stand in the entrance. And I'm going to kind of put my hand and I'm going to walk by. I'm going to walk by you and you're going to be able to see. You're going to see just the, you're going to see the, the backside of my, my being. And, and so as, as Moses um, experienced this incredible moment, it's, it's a holy moment. It's, it's a moment that is just saturated by, by God himself. God says this to Moses, and, and this, is why, this is why you need to understand what it is to taking that time to wait on the Lord. So Moses responded, he says, then show me your glorious presence. And the Lord replied, I will make all my goodness, I will make all my goodness pass. Moses said, I, I want to see, I want to see your presence. God says, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you, before you. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. God's glorious presence and God's goodness are inseparable. His presence and his goodness, they're inseparable. Wherever his presence goes, his goodness goes. Wherever, whenever you and I 
take time to be in his presence. And he renews, and he comes and he renews us by his presence. He renews us and gives us the strength and so forth. His presence always produces goodness. The church in North America struggles these days for lack of presence. For lack of presence. But the church, and there are many in North America that know the presence of God. They know the presence of God and they worship accordingly. And the presence of God is strong. And wherever his presence is felt, his goodness follows. His goodness follows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. The goodness of this world is impressive. And many times inspirational. How many times have you seen the goodness of this world? There are good things in this world. It's impressive and many times inspirational. However, we are called to be zealous of good works. It is the byproduct of the kingdom of God. It is a life dominated by the good shepherd in Jesus Christ. And wherever we, where, wherever we go, he through us is preparing a table and a path followed by good works which reflect the goodness of God. But our good works, Jesus said, must exceed the good works of the Pharisees. What does that mean? It means our good works must be presence dominated. We spent a lot of time uh, just a, a couple seasons ago on a theme called hosting the presence of the Lord. Because when we host the presence of the Lord, his goodness follows us. So it's not only about what we do, but how we do it. So what does it mean? It means our good works must be present dominated. Let me conclude with this thought. Over in Matthew 25, there is, a, there is a scene that Jesus describes. And this, this will help us put our 30-day our kindness to challenge. Because really, Pastor Chad nor his staff, why not even just going out and just checking off the list? So, well, I did that on that day. And I did this on that day. And I, okay, I got my 30 things. And that's not what, that's not at all what we want you to do. We want you to understand, especially in the light of Matthew 25, what it means to be producing, accomplishing goodness that is dominated by his presence. So Jesus describes in Matthew 25 an end time scene. He, he describes a, a scene where, where the people and his followers and Christians are, that are walking before him. And it says this. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. And then, then the king says this, and, 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 and the crowd in heaven, they're all looking and they're watching and, and uh, they're wondering what he's going to say next. And he says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then Jesus in the same this, the same parable, he tells this. He says, then the righteous will come. The righteous are those who have been made righteous in Christ Jesus, those that have given their hearts to him. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when? When did we see you hungry? 
Is it, and, and, and when did we feed you? Or when did we see you thirsty and, and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes or clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison or go to visit you? And the king will reply and he will say, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least... Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, whatever you did on this 30-day suggested list in his name, Jesus said, you did it for me. So, I conclude this morning with his, these thoughts. Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. The expert of the law, he commented to Jesus after Jesus had told him about the good Samaritan and, and how he had treated the one that had been so beaten up. And Jesus asked, said to the, the expert of the law, he said, now, he says, now, after you've heard the story of the good Samaritan, he says, which one? Which one do you think you should be? And the expert in the law said, well, the one that showed mercy. And Jesus responded, he said, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. And today, as the Spirit of the Lord moves upon your heart, and as you spend time in his presence, and as you have the opportunity and take the list of 30 or come up with your own, you today need to hear the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Go thou and do likewise. You too. Go and do in the name of Jesus. So, for goodness sake, go and do likewise. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise. Let's stand. Precious Assembly, Father, we thank you today for your presence. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to be your hand extended. And so, Lord, as we go and enjoy the, the rest of this day and, and the rest of this weekend, thank you. Thank you for the privilege that we have to minister unto you as we, as we listen to your voice and as we act out with kindness and goodness. And, Father, we thank you that surely goodness and mercy will follow us. And, Lord, I thank you today for the way that as this congregation is obedient to your spirit, as I'm obedient to your spirit, that the world will take note that we have been with you. We ask all these things in your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 